Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Sheena Younger. I found her on TikTok. Y'all know me. I'm going to have to start this off with some trigger warnings because we're going to talk about some very serious subjects. Sheena has been a victim of so many different traumatic things in her life. So uh, Sheena, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I was mesmerized by your videos on TikTok. I'm not going to lie. I contacted you. You were gracious enough to say yes to me. You've had a tough go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that I definitely have not had the easiest life, but I think that it's allowed me to evolve, which I know we'll talk about yeah. um, as a human. So at the end of the day, like I'm happy with where I'm at in life right now. So right. exactly. And the things that you've been through, a lot of people would not come out on the other side as well as you have. Let's just let's just call a spade a spade at this point. Yes. A lot of times when people hear, you know, after they've gotten to know me for a while and then they hear like what I went through, like the very most very common response is like, how are you OK? Like, how are you not in a ditch or you know what I mean? Like, exactly. I heard that a lot. <laughs> yeah. You and I have a couple things in common. I, too, was abused as a child, and we don't need to get into mine. My listeners know that. However, I do want to kind of start off at the beginning with you. Tell us a little bit about your life. Uh, I know you have a playlist on TikTok that goes through every single year. Of course, we're not going to do that. We're just going to give a quick synopsis for our listeners, and then we're going to talk about some things. So tell me what happened when you were born and from that time on. Sure. So my parents were divorced before I was born and my father was uh, in the military and my mother was an exotic dancer (laughs) and uh, she also had some pretty serious substance abuse issues. And I was taken away from her when she threw me out a window. And then I was taken away from her when I was three. She convinced my dad that she wanted to be a family again and got a free paid trip to Italy where she took off with one of his buddies and oh left me God. with him. And he was not in any shape and was not raised at all well. So he was very abusive. And so the decision was made to put me in foster care back in the United States. And so that was the first time I went into foster care. Unfortunately, my mother would get me back several times throughout my childhood. And every time that she would get me back, I was abused every which way possible by the men in her world. And I was, you know, just especially when I was six, there was a really traumatic 90 days of my life uh, in Lincoln, Montana, that were probably the most severe of all of the abuse, the physical abuse, the uh, sexual abuse. Sheena, was that the time that she just, because guys, she would be left even at five years old for weeks at a time with her little sister. Was that the time that she left you with some strange people in Montana, in Lincoln, Montana, and you were like, this is the most horrific? Because I did listen to, I did see some of your playlist of all your videos, but I, like I said, I haven't seen all of them. So is that when they left you and you guys were just thrown to the wolves with these people? Yes. Yeah. So she left me with her brand new husband who was in jail for stealing military weapons. Oh my God. Yeah. He was in the army and he stole military weapons and was in jail, but they had just gotten married. And so he convinced her to move to Lincoln, Montana and with his family. 
and and I don't mean any disrespect whatsoever to anybody that may live in a trailer park. Oh right. When, uh, but this trailer park was really it's what you would like see maybe in a horror movie like it was really like a really not a good trailer park and it was a very small trailer and yes my sister and I were my once we got there my mother took off and left us there for about 90 days um she said she was going to treatment um I do believe she did go because we went into foster care so while she was away a teacher a very astute teacher noticed that I was exhibiting some strange behaviors and asked me to roll up my sleeves and I had a panic attack. And so she took me to the nurse's office and they proceeded to undress me and the police were called and we were removed that day from that home and placed in foster care in Lincoln, Montana. And so when my mother got out of treatment, she came and got us. And she was sober for a very short time, but it was a good time when she was, you know. Yeah, and you know what, though, Sheena? When you described trying to stay out of their way when you weren't being abused for those short hours that you weren't, you would be like in a corner against a wall, keeping your head down. I cannot imagine a child being so conformed to knowing, especially at that age, I have to keep quiet so that I won't be noticed, so that they can just leave me alone. And of course, they didn't. But there for a little while, I cannot imagine how old, I don't even know how old you were. I can't imagine any I child going through that. Six. six years old. And then I remember you saying something about, I dreamed of getting on my bike and getting the heck out of there every day. You learned how to ride your bike at six years old without training wheels. You did it yourself, right? I did. Yes, I did. Gosh, I mean, I'm just... My heart goes out because you, you know, you have children, you have daughters. I have a daughter and a son. Yeah. And, you know, you and I, I don't have the traumatic life you had, but I don't care what kind of abuse you've had as a child. First of all, it's terrible. Second of all, we don't lie about that kind of stuff. That's not something we're proud of. So, you know, the fact that you're talking about it, because I was always under the impression with my parents, we don't talk about this. We will never talk about this. If you, do, My mother forbade me to talk about this. And I finally started talking about it on my podcast because I wanted people to understand you can get through this. You can rise above it. But sometimes not everyone has the faculties within their mind or the privilege, you know, that maybe you or I had. I didn't really have privilege because my mom pretty much just abandoned us too. But I wasn't as young as you. So that was my privilege, I think. But let's go back to you. So you get out of the situation, you go into foster care. What happens after that? Uh, Well, my mother got us back pretty quickly. Uh, When I was seven, I was moved to Helena, Montana uh, with her. And that's when she started uh, abusing drugs and alcohol again and would leave my sister and I alone for weeks at a time. Uh, that's when I got, I got a job at the little grocery store. Um, how did they not know? Cause you came in and you're, you're like a child. You're, you're like, how did they not know you're like a child and you're going in asking for food and diapers. Cause your sister's like a year old, maybe a little older. I don't even know. And they're like, pick, over a year, yeah. Yeah, pick up a broom and start. Why weren't they like, honey, where, where do you live? Why, why are you asking us for this? What can we, you know, I don't understand that part. They made you work at eight years old. Uh, yeah, well, I was seven and yeah, they did. I think that, you know, when I talked about that in my video, I had hundreds of comments from people that live in Montana Mm. 
that attested to the fact that that really was kind of the culture. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, ki- the kids were sent out to work the farms and stuff okay. and okay. at a young age. So, you know, and people like kind of stayed to themselves and didn't tell other people's business. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. So yeah. you're there by yourself with your seven You've got a year, a little over a year old little sister you're taking care of because your mom's not even there and you're trying to give her food and put new diapers on her. Tell me that got better. Tell me what happened after that. Well, what happened was pretty soon after that is when I came home from school and there was a note on the door to just go back to the playground and play until she came and picked me up. And so it was the middle of winter in Montana and this was like an old Lincoln Log style playground. I was with some kids and we were playing tag and I went to go down the fireman pole and I slipped and fell instead of like going down the pole. I fell and I was not knocked unconscious in the snow. And, um, I guess all the kids, I guess all the kids got pretty scared and took off. I was told that a driver driving by saw like the flash of color in the snow. It was my coat, my coat and stopped and got me to a hospital. And that's when we were removed uh, from my mother again. I, I'm gobsmacked. I'm telling you, the more I hear about your story, because this is just, I don't understand how I, I do, well, here's the deal. I do understand that they want the parent to always have custody of their own children. They try to do that mostly, but to know that she's in and out of rehab, I don't understand. Maybe it's just the foster care system is broken. Uh, I don't know if it's better now, but my goodness, girl, cause you're, you're not even 40 years old. Are you? Uh, no, I am 46. I just turned 46. Okay. Okay. So you're, cause you know, this, yeah. this didn't happen that long ago. It was, it just so broken. Do you think that the foster care system, what do you think? Um, I think that it was absolutely broken, but at the same time, like my mother exhibited behaviors to the court of having a desire to have me. Mm-hmm. She would like fight for me. And, but every time she would get us or get me or get us back, we were horrifically abused, like really bad, you know? She surrounded herself with those kinds of people. So therefore you had those kinds of people around you. So let's skip ahead a little bit to where, uh, because it sounds like that's pretty much your before teenage years. What happens when you become a teenager and maybe able to talk for yourself or maybe defend yourself more? What happens then? So when I was 13, I went to live with my mother for the very last time. Okay. And her boyfriend and happens to be my half-brother's father, was beating my mother up in front of me with his fists. And so I jumped on his back uh, trying to, and was like trying to get him off of her. And he beat me up really badly. Mm. And I was taken away. She sided with him. (gasps) And uh, that was, I was taken away. And I was able to go back to the same foster care home that I had had in Washington. And that was the last time she had custody of me. Oh, honey. Well, first of all, what a horrible memory of that. But also the foster care place that you went to, I think the people were fine, but the son abused you. Is that correct? That was the foster care home in Lincoln, Montana. Okay. So what was really sad about that is, you know, I was experiencing a really horrific abuse a nightly with a knife to my throat and I was taken out of that situation when the teacher saw the bruises and I was placed in a foster care home in Lincoln Montana where I thought I was finally safe it was their son that would take me out in the woods and sexually abuse me oh my goodness girl I oh honey okay 
So, okay, so we're back to your mom. Your mom finally, thank goodness, lost custody of you for the last time. You're 13 years old. You're back in foster care with another family. What happens after that? So, you know, I had pretty normal, I guess, like as as can be, Mm -hmm. high school experience. That's good. And, but when I was eight, well, my senior year of high school, I was really struggling. Uh, Actually, my junior year, I guess. I was really struggling. I went to a high school, like a 5A high school, Mm -hmm. where like all of the Boeing executives, Microsoft executives, Weyerhaeuser executives, it was like all of their kids. And, you know, they all drove like brand new Camaros and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so it was really hard. Like I got all my clothes at Value Village. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it was just it was tough. And so there was an opportunity at the church that I was going to because that's the Foster Families Church. Uh They were looking for a college student, actually, to go over to Singapore with them and be a nanny to their children while they did this program. And I like said, I expressed interest and because they were going to be homeschooling their six-year-old son. So I thought maybe she could homeschool me and anyways, it all worked out. And so I went to Singapore with them and was a nanny and I ended up having five kids, uh, three Korean kids. And uh, so it was really, a really neat experience, but I kind of had an existential crisis uh, because I had only ever been exposed to Christianity Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, like my grandfather was Mormon, but like that's still like Jesus, right? Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. all most religions in America all lead back to Jesus, oh, no sure. no matter what what exactly. you what name you put on it. Right. Yeah. So and in Singapore, like on a four way stop, because it's a small little island is like a Hindu temple, a Buddhist temple, a mosque and a Catholic church. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what, wait a minute, what's, what is Hinduism? Like, what's Buddhism? <laughs> right? Like, what is this stuff? And I started, like, realizing, like, more people believe in Allah than Jesus on the planet Earth. And more people believe. And, like, I'm like, well, I better, like, figure this out. Like, I need to learn about this stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And so I did. Uh, I went to, after my duties were up as a nanny, I went to Perth, Australia to a college there and did a three-month course in world religion. Mm. And then I spent uh, two months on the island of Borneo in Kota Kinabalu, Malaysia, um, studying Islam and living like Mm. among the people. And then a month in Vietnam uh, studying Buddhism. So I think that experience, you know, like when people ask me, like, what are pivotal moments that saved you? Mm -hmm. That was definitely the thing that I can point to. Because I felt really sorry for myself. And I, and I think now, rightfully so, like I look yes. back at that little girl and I say, you have permission to feel sorry for yourself. Absolutely. You went through hell. But going to a refugee camp on the island, just off the island of Borneo, mm. and where it's basically a holding place for these people to die. And they see the cards that other people are dealt. And suddenly I don't feel as sorry for myself. Yeah. I just think it was a life-changing experience for me and letting go of that feeling sorry for myself and like being able to like open myself up to people again was I think one of the main reasons why I'm okay today. Absolutely because if to me it's like it got you out of that that loop of feeling sorry for yourself and then also seeing something not even in the United States something completely alien to you. And that triggered you to go, wait a minute, maybe this was all supposed to happen, which listen, I hate that it did. And it happened to me too. And not quite like you, but it did happen to me too. 
But I have to tell you, it did make me so much stronger and independent than I ever would have been because I didn't really have that personality when I was young. Looking back, I now know why because I was so afraid of everyone. And it sounds like you kind of were too, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, because you had that fear of rejection, probably. I mean, and I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure the fear of rejection, because we're probably going to get now to your adult life, you know, getting married, having children. I'm sure some of the people that you um, dated and maybe even married weren't the best for you. Oh, nobody's been the best for me. That's why I've been single now for five years, because I don't trust myself. And I... I mean, I'm getting better. Yeah. I'm getting better. Like I have my list. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, I went through the same thing in some ways. I would just date jerks, right? I mean, I just didn't yeah. end up marrying them, Sheena. You know what I mean? But I still dated assholes. I really did. And I had to overcome that. Then I finally met my husband that I have been married to for 27 years when I was 28 years old. And he's the best man I've ever known in my life. So it's out there for you. Just remember that, okay? There, There is someone. I, I promise you. That. I appreciate that. Yeah. I've intentionally chosen not to date until my daughter. I mean, she's a senior in high school now. And oh, I just... Sure. Yeah. And the fact that your daughter, your kids are doing so well. So you, is it the one time you've been married, you did marry someone who had... Before you married him, you started dating him when he was still married, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I yes, it uh, is correct. I wouldn't date him until he filed his divorce papers. He wasn't living with her. Okay. But he was trying to send me emails and stuff asking me to please like spend time together and stuff and I was like <laughs> Not until your divorce is filed. Like, I'm not comfortable with that. Right. So at least I was, like, at of least course. having some yeah. kind of boundaries. But oh, now, yeah. now it, you, you're going to need to be, like, post-relationship at least a year or two. Because I, I want you to know who you are when you enter into a relationship with me. And you can't know who you are if your identity is still wrapped up into somebody else. Absolutely. And also, from what I gathered, now, correct me if I'm wrong, because you obviously know the story better than me. But from what I gathered with this particular guy that you did end up marrying, sounds like he was a little bit of a narcissist. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to make light of it. But I mean, when he's got a journal on what you tell him, classic sign of a narcissist. He uses that to weaponize guilt and weaponize every single thing he throws at you. You know, I know that's what he did. Yeah. And he had a, um, a notebook for money that was really hurtful. Mm. Um, like, I just wanted a marriage where we're partners, you know, and at least like talk about finances and stuff. But right. he would just like write down everything he would buy at the store or wherever. And like, I wouldn't even get a say in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then he would charge me half and send me a bill basically. Like it was just terrible. What? I Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that does not sound like a partnership to me. That sounds like a business transaction to me. No, that's why I kept I mean there were a few reasons. One what the main reason was he didn't love my kids and you could tell, you know, and my kids could tell. And I can tell you I don't know if you want to go into this now or not, but there were three pretty strong catalysts of why I left him, yeah, what finally yeah. caused me to leave him, and I can share those if you Absolutely. like. Okay, so the first thing that happened that made me, I mean, I had already asked him several times to please go to counseling, especially over the finances. Right. 
because that was not the type of relationship or marriage that I wanted. Um, And every time he refused. And so then in the fall, the year prior to our divorce, that, but that, that fall, he uh, came to me and he said that his parents were going to be taking himself and his son to Hawaii for spring break and that myself and my daughter weren't invited. Oh my God. And his parents are like a whole different level of wealthy. It would be like $10 to them for them to, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah. Nothing for them to get you a plane ticket. Yeah. And so our kids are the same age and they've grown up together now since they were five. And this is when they're like 12. Right. And I said, you're going to take one kid to Hawaii uh, for spring break and not the other. Oh my and, and he's like, he saw no problem with it and thought I was being ridiculous. And he like totally gaslighted me for sure in that yeah. situation. Yeah. And so uh, then the second thing that happened was Christmas break. My daughter said to me, she was at, away at college, uh, which she just graduated. Yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so she was away at college and she called me and she said, mom, I'm not going to stay with you for Christmas break because I won't name names, but this person, my husband makes me feel like an unwanted house guest and I don't, I don't feel comfortable staying there anymore. Oh no! (laughs) So at that point at Christmas, we actually got in a huge fight um, because I, I again asked him to please go to counseling like I couldn't be with him. Like my daughter didn't even come home for Christmas because oh, of all of it. Oh it was God. just, it was really terrible. And uh, do you know why he treated her differently? Do you know why that was? Well, I think he honestly is a true narcissist and true narcissists aren't able to care for others except for it's why he is such a good dad to his son because the son is an extension of himself. No, um, I, that makes sense. Yeah. So that happened. So what was the third thing that happened after that? Okay. So the third thing that happened was like actually like really basic, but it was the final straw. Um, I sat him down because we were going to be getting two feet of snow and where we live, that's very, very rare. And um, anyways, we had a two car garage and he had a $700 truck that he bought that was literally a $700 truck and it wasn't great, you know, and he would park his car and his truck in the garage and he would never allow me to park my car in the garage. And so in the winter time, he'll drive right out of the garage while I'm like scraping my car and waiting for it to defrost. So we were getting two feet of snow. So I sat him down and I was like, just for like the next few days, can I please park my car in the garage? And he said no. And I actually, at the advice of a of a therapist and a close friend of mine, I recorded that conversation mm-hmm. because they said they wanted me to record it and then listen back to it like I was a third party. Yes, good idea. So I did. And when I did that, that was in February. And I moved out April 1st while him and his son was in Hawaii for spring break. <laughs> well, you know, good for you, because here's here's the thing. And, and this is to my listeners. And I've told Sheena this, too. I had her tell you guys not nearly all of her story, but enough of her story, because now we're going to talk about the redemption that she's done for herself, meaning how did she overcome it? What did she learn? What would she have done differently? And is she better on the other side? So let's talk about that, Sheena. You have been through hell and back, and you're only 46 years old. So 
I know you're taking your time dating people. I know that's on the back burner for you. And, and I totally understand that. What made you not be still in that rundown house that you were in, trailer park house you were in? Because there's rundown houses, trailer parks, they're all the same. Doesn't matter where you live. If they've got horrible people living there, it doesn't really matter. What got you out of that mindset? Well, I genuinely think the trip that I went on when I was 18 uh, really, really helped with that. You know, I think learning about Buddhism, learning about Islam, learning about all the other. Yeah. But, you know, do you think because to me and I don't I haven't really studied Buddhism, but what I've understood about Buddhism, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful religion. I really really loved learning about all of them. Honestly, there's beauty in every single one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I don't even know. But what I know about Buddhism, some of the things that they go by, it's just beautiful thoughts to yourself and self-affirmation and that you're so worth it and all of those things. So do you think that because you went through all this, do you think it's because you needed to get stronger? Do you think it was, I mean, why do you think this all happened to you? Do you have an an ethereal thought about this? Well, if you do think about it, which I have, people are like, well, what do you believe now? You know, that's a very common question. Oh, sure. And um, I'm just a really spiritual person. I do Reiki. Um, I've seen Reiki, like, make miracles. That's why I had to learn it, because I saw, like, a miracle happen. And I was like, okay, show me, because I I, I see it, you know. With Reiki, you can go back to that little girl you were. And you can go back in time, at least with your intention, and say, and visit her and say, I'm here for you. You're going to be safe. You don't have to worry. You know, all the things that Reiki masters can do. I, I don't know how much of it you know, but I do know that because one of my best friends is a Reiki master. So did you experience any of that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've done a lot of spiritual work, inner work. Yeah. The past five years, what's different about me now than when I left my husband? Because I obviously had codependency. Sure. Like I had a lot of issues, right? Sure. Um, but what I've spent the last five years doing is trying to hunt down every healing modality that I can get my hands on. Sure. And so I've read a lot of books. I've obviously been in therapy until my therapist kicked me out, which really made me sad. But then I I understand because they need to deal with people that are really, um, there's a lot of mental health problems. And and he's like, you're doing good. We need to, (laughs) you know. But it was, it made me sad because I really love therapy and I'm such an advocate for it. Don't ever feel embarrassed about going to therapy. Everybody should be in it. Yes. Um, and then I, I also did, I don't know if you've ever heard of wilderness therapy. No, I haven't. It's like a ancient Native American technique. So they took me when, especially this one time I was going through some severe anxiety. Actually, I was very, very triggered from my past, uh, because there was a teacher at the high school that there were several victims that came forward and I was just having anxiety because they all shared stories with me that I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for. So times like that, you know, so I call my, my friends that do the wilderness therapy. They took me down to the river. They did a bunch of work on me, like physically. And then at the end, we walked out into the river. I kind of just like uh, ceremoniously sent everything downstream, but like literally didn't even like think about that stuff again. I mean, I had lost 15 pounds in almost a week from being so... Yeah, like the the anxiety, and it made me realize that like that whole thing wasn't healed yet. Yes. 
and now it is because people are like, how are you dealing with sharing your story on TikTok and having all these people message you sharing their stories, which has happened. I'm totally fine. No problem. Not at all. Because I released it that day at the river. Isn't it freeing? I mean, I totally know what you're talking about, and you, but you have to believe it. Yeah, you have to believe it, and you do it. You just do it, and you get rid of it, and you say goodbye, and you tell your guides or whatever you believe in. I believe we have guides and all the things. And my mom's one of my guides because she passed in 2017, and, and um, we weren't as close in real life as we are now. Um, believe it or not, but I'm like, mom, be a guide. And so I'll say, mom, you know, help me out with this. Do this for me, you know, or whatever guide. So good for you. But see, the thing is, you believed it. You have to believe it too, correct? A hundred percent. But I really felt these traumas leave my body as they were working on it too. Really? Yeah. Like there were certain points in my body. And what I mean is like, kind of like maybe right above your belly button type thing or in the hips or, you know, and they were working on those things. Like my friend is that she's also a physical therapist on top of being a wilderness therapy practitioner. So they just like kind of knew how to like work on those areas. And I could feel a physical release of tension in those areas. And then, you know, obviously they're also practicing, I guess not practicing, but speaking the native language and praying for me, I think, at the same time. So I just think it was just a really beautiful, a beautiful thing. And it really helped me, you know. And so the point is, is I think that sometimes I've gone through things to be able to really let certain things go from the past and really heal those things, I guess. Not necessarily let them go, but really heal them. And that just helps, I really think, elevate my level of consciousness in a way. Absolutely. You know, Sheena, it's funny because you do believe in the spiritual aspect like I do. Sometimes I think people come to this life, to their life, And, you know, you think, why the hell would I ever want to come down here and experience the crap that I've gone through, right? Because up there, you're like, you know, let's just call it heaven or whatever you want to call it. You're up there and you're in your spirit state and you're in that perfect blissful state. And you're like, you know what? I would love to find out what it's like to be abused as a child. Because you don't have any emotion. There's no human attachment to that, right? So you're like, I I, want to, I want to learn because, you know, we're all fragments of God and we're learning for God. So... And you come down here and you're like, what the hell have I done? And, but I tell you, I swear, I think we're down here sometimes with these lives. You picked a life that's, that's like two or three or four lives in one. You're like getting your PhD for God. And I've told so many of the people that I've, that I've talked to, cause you are, I mean, I'm telling you, this was not a very fun life for you. And like I said, you're maybe halfway done. And now the next half, hopefully is smooth sailing for you. And now you can almost have a restful life. It'll be a whole different kind of life from the things that you've learned through through different religions, from the things you've learned through Reiki, I guess shamanism. I don't know if it's shamanism or the wilderness training that you went through or whatever. It's almost like all of those things are healing you. And now you're on the other side. Because when I was young and my siblings, <clears throat> I would see them doing really bad things because, you know, we were all exposed to really bad things, Right. And even at a very young age, I was like, I will not ever do those things. And I don't know why I said those things to myself. I just protected myself like that. And I don't know if that ever occurred to you at all when you were younger. I know you protected your sibling, but did you ever feel that way too? Like, I will never do those things. Oh, I think that 
you know how people in interviews sometimes ask you like what's your greatest strength and your greatest weakness yeah. when it comes to my life uh they're the same you know how a lot of times they're the same oh yeah when it comes to my life it's uh vowing to never be even a drop like my mother that's exactly how I felt and you felt that at an early age I bet too I did yes Yes. Yeah, I did. But sometimes, like, so it was definitely a really good strength. I have been really protective of my kids, sometimes a little too much. But for the most part, I've lucked out because, you know, my kids like to stay home. Yeah. You know, they like to have their friends over. You know, obviously, one of my biggest concerns was letting my girls go stay at people's houses and things like that. Like, obviously, I just... My biggest goal was to make sure that they weren't ever experienced what I had to go through when I was young. So I'm grateful that that was the case, but it can be my greatest weakness because I just sometimes was too much. Like I put too much pressure on my girls to do everything. You know, I wanted them to experience everything I didn't get to experience And now that they're older, they've expressed to me that that was really hard for them, Mm. you know. And so I feel like it wasn't always a good thing. But but you know what? The thing is, you're open enough to learn from your own children and go, you know what? Okay, I, I hear you. I did better. Now you do better than I did. Because, you know, I understand why you want to wrap your kids in bubble wrap and not let them out of the house. I mean, you know, (laughs) I think I was an overprotective mother to both of my kids. I think to a certain point, I think when you are exposed to the kind of trauma that you and I were exposed to, and especially you, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have let my kids out of my sight ever. I mean, so I, I totally get it. And I'm sure I don't know how much of an extent that they know of your life. I do think they probably understand more than you know. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. My girls and I are really close and they knew I was going to do the series on TikTok because, you know, and anytime I have pictures of them or I talk about them, like I clear those things to them because they're pretty, they're a little bit more private than I am. And especially my youngest, you know, she doesn't because I I had a picture of the three of us at graduation and I was like, can I post it? And she's like, for your birthday. (laughs) Well, you know, and how healing, though? just to get on and talk about it. And I've seen you cry. I've seen you laugh hysterically. I've seen you bawl. I've seen you say, I cry in every video. And girl, I, I was crying with you. I mean, I'm serious. I was literally tearing up listening to the things that were coming out of your mouth with my jaw on the floor. Well, thank you for being there with me. And I feel like everybody that watches it and like really holds space for me, like that is, it means so much to me. You know, I'm sharing my life because I'm hoping it helps somebody and I know it's helping people. I shared, I don't know if if you had an opportunity to see this video, but I really wanted to share with your listeners that uh, one of the other transformational times for me was when I went to a retreat. It's now called Sapria and you can find it at sapria.org. And it's an all-expenses-paid retreat except for the transportation to the facility, or no, to the airport um, nearest the facility. And now they have two. Um, When I went, they just had Utah. But now they have Georgia, I believe. So there's a couple of opportunities there. But this retreat was like a four-day retreat. And they pamper you and spoil you. And it's very luxurious and nice. But they also give you a ton of education and you're able to connect with women that have been through like experiences. And they also offer therapy classes and different 
things that, and, and nothing's required. You could stay in your room the whole time. Now I wouldn't recommend that, but right. anyway, so I shared about the, that resource on TikTok and uh, I, there's two separate women now that have their retreat scheduled and are going. Oh. I will totally add that retreat to my show notes because I want my listeners, if anyone feels the uh, need or just want to go on a women's retreat and just talk about your trauma, you know, and learn about it and understand it and then maybe understand what made you do the things you do. There is a ripple effect here. There's a ripple effect here. And you know what, Sheena, you are so gracious to let us know about your life because it's not easy to recount the horrific things you've been through. You deserve a lot of praise for that. You deserve the love that you never got. You deserve the respect that you never got. And you know what? Good for you that you're getting it now. And you know what? Always, always, always know you are teaching people and spreading awareness with people that you have no idea the ripple effect you're having now with my listeners. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I really hope that, you know, that your listeners that have been through similar things learned maybe something today. The other thing I wanted to share that we talked about at kind of the beginning of the show was the silence that people live in because of cultural or societal norms, if you will, of staying quiet when sexual abuse happens in families or, you know, amongst friends and family. I just really want to encourage anybody out there that has never told anybody Silence will physically harm you. I can attest to that. And, you know, maybe you're not ready to share your abuser's name on TikTok like I did. Right. But find a really close, trusted advisor or friend that you can confide in Mm. and just share what happened to you because you don't understand how much that will release something for you. Um, you'll have more freedom. And uh, I just just really wanted to encourage that. No, absolutely. Because, you know, I was I was forbidden. Don't talk about this, sweep it under the rug. And for the longest time, you know, I would pick these horrible guys to, to date or whatever, because I was repressing, you know, this horrible abuse. Yeah. And then finally, you know, when I met my husband and told him, and he was just so gracious and understanding and, and, you know, just told him, didn't tell anybody else, but that was enough for me at the time. And then when I got this podcast and started spreading awareness about everything, whether you've had a near-death experience, whether you've left a cult or whether you've had childhood trauma, I'm here to spread awareness and to tell everyone if they're willing to listen, you don't have to be in that space anymore. You don't have to be that person that's silent all the time. There is someone out there that can hear you and you deserve to be heard. I, I concur. Thank you so much for being on my show, Sheena. I appreciate you saying yes to me and sharing your story because I hope, uh, if nothing else, we can help someone else and just know you guys that you're worth it and you're worth more than you can ever imagine. All you have to do is just reach out. I agree 100%. I had several people DM me their stories and were able to finally tell somebody because they knew I would never share that with anybody. Of course. So, yes. And like I said, I'm going to add that retreat to my show notes. And and again, Sheena, thank you for being on my show. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you. 
Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.